0: Steel products are simply the best. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. There's more than 10,000 dealers around the country. So guess what? That means there's one right around the corner from you. They have gas powered. They have battery powered. They have electric. And they have all kinds of uh, great products to help you keep your yard as you'd like. Yeah, they got the big chainsaws. They have smaller chainsaws. I have a hand saw that's electric that you can take camping with you. I mean, it's outstanding. We're still in the height of a uh, camping season. They have trimmers, they have blowers, they have hedge trimmers, and their products are used like for hacks like me and you trying to keep, take care of our yard all the way up to the pros that have to cut down massive trees or do yard work and outdoor work. Professionally, That is how well-respected they are worldwide. Steel, steeldealers.com is where you're going to find your local dealer and you can load up your garage with all kinds of wonderful product. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. Is there anything better than a good cup of coffee? In fact, I'm having a, a cup of coffee right now, midday as I tape our little podcast here from my friends at Boyers—they're the legendary Rocky Mountain roaster. I start my day with them, and oftentimes I'll have a little decaf later in the day. You gotta go on their website, BoyersCoffee.com. They have all kinds of great flavors, great products, and do as I do—I I don't. You can go to the store, which is awesome. Go to the store, but I don't mess around with that because I get it sent fresh to my house, and it's delivered extremely quickly. And that is where you're going to get. Uh, the, the super smooth and uh, local great brand, Boyer's Coffee. They're a proud coffee partner of the Colorado Rockies. They have been for a number of years. Um, they've been brewing coffee since 1965 in the Rocky Mountains. They have uh, also that food truck up on 73rd and Washington. So if you're up on the north side, swing by there, you'll get goodies, you'll get uh, great uh, discounts on drinks as well. Um, Go see them at boyerscoffee.com. That's how I uh, find all their great product, and as I said, I get it delivered to my house. That's boyerscoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Teddy Bridgewater wins the QB job for the Broncos. Drew gives you his reaction. And Rocky starter Austin Gomber joins the show, talking about how he fits in with this stable of Rocky starters. You know, those guys have gotten to know me and, and continue to
1: grow themselves. I think all of us have realized, like, okay, like we could really do something special like this group of five guys. We definitely enjoy being around each other, and I, and I definitely think that we uh
0: You know, we're on the the right track. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman podcast wherever you find podcasts and leave a comment and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is program number 111. Thanks for spreading the word about what we do here on the Drew Goodman podcast and telling your friends and uh and your friends friends and uh, having them download and subscribe we have uh, fun each week we try to bring you a, a meaningful interview from the world of sports yeah we're baseball centric but uh, we also talk football certainly we'll be talking a lot of football uh, coming up gonna do something on football here uh, in a moment specific to the Broncos and uh, we uh, look at national stories as well kind of whatever uh, floats my boat that week that's what you have to uh, suffer through my opinions On that, But uh, naturally, a lot on baseball, a lot specifically on uh, the Colorado Rockies. I'm going to begin very quickly with football this week. Remember last week we were talking about, just like everybody in the Rocky Mountain region who uh, have an interest in the Broncos, who's going to win the battle, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? They've now played, as we tape this, two exhibition games. So when I got home after the Rockies game the other day, I had taped the Broncos game. So I wanted to see this battle between Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And a couple of thoughts. I said without question last week that if it were up to me, I would start Drew Locke because I think he has a higher ceiling. I think he's more athletic, bigger arm. Not a knock on Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater has always been very solid. He's battled some injuries in his career. He has far more experience, as we know, than Drew Locke. Uh but the high water mark in terms of touchdown passes, 15, nothing real glamorous with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but he is a solid, and that's kind of faint praise, I know, but solid as an NFL quarterback. So I watched the game up in Seattle, and Teddy Bridgewater played really well, climbs the pocket. Uh he had a great throw to Jerry Judy. Uh when he did climb the pocket late, uh In a passing situation, when I say late, he held the football for a while and was still able to go through progressions and find a guy for a big game. Uh, He did the same thing and then had a check down pass a little bit later on on one of those drives. He was very impressive, played well. Um, As I always say, you never know who guys are playing with, some ones, some twos. Drew Locke came in the ball game was less impressive in Week 2 than he was certainly in Game 1. But again, not sure, you know, what starters were up front, what guys were playing against him. You never know that sort of thing. Um, the one thing that dawned on me, though, as I'm watching this unfold, is I said, all right, I know what I would do, for whatever that's worth, but I'm not Vic Fangio. And it's kind of an interesting dichotomy in that you have a new general manager who's in his first year and so he can have a robust three to five year plan to try to win a world championship because that's what the Broncos have always been about if you're Vic Fangio you're kind of on a seat that's fairly warm and you need to win now and if it is about winning right now because I think the Broncos defense is going to be pretty darn solid if not better than that has a chance to be really good I think you like the receiving core. Noah Fant can stay healthy. I like him at tight end. We'll see about the offensive line. We know that Bowles at left tackle, which is such a key component, especially with a right-handed quarterback, uh, has emerged as a, a very good left tackle. So there are pieces in play. And if I'm Vic Fangio and I'm going home late at night and I'm talking to my wife privately, I want to keep my job, right? I want to keep my gig. And Teddy Bridgewater probably is going to give you a better opportunity initially, and be less mistake-prone. You're not going to see as many wow plays as you would with Drew Locke. And I'm not backing off what I said last week on the podcast. I would go with Drew Locke. But if I'm Vic Fangio, I'm saying, man, if I lose a game or two, in the growth of a young quarterback with Drew Locke that maybe we win with a more veteran quarterback. That could be the difference between my future employment or not. And that's why, as we learned on Wednesday, you go with uh, Teddy Bridgewater if you're Vic Fangio. So from that standpoint, not a big surprise. But as I was watching it unfold, I'm saying, yeah, I, I still feel the same way. Greater upside with Drew Locke. But if I'm on a hot seat and I'm Vic Fangio... I'd probably lean toward Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see how this whole thing now plays out moving forward. Because you know how fans are, especially with the quarterback position. The minute a game is lost and your numbers are subpar, when there's a pretty good guy potentially behind you, there'll be a whole lot of people on social media and elsewhere calling for that second guy, in this case Drew Locke, to get his opportunity. We'll have more on this little topic moving forward. This one ain't going away, folks. All right. We're going to move on, um, from football and talk Rockies. And before we delve too deeply into this, I have to tell you that, you know, the Rockies played great baseball until that Sunday against Arizona. They were five and zero on the home stand, and then they lose to Arizona eight to four in a dreadful, baseball game. And when you play 162, you're going to play some dreadful games. It's not so much that the Rockies didn't really hit in the game. It had more to do with the walks in the sixth inning. Five walks, two guys get walked in with the bases loaded. It also took me to a problem that baseball has had. The ball's not in play enough. And it's less in play now than in ever, uh, ever before in the history of the game. The inning that I spoke of where the the Rockies were on defense for 33 minutes because they walked five guys and there were two bases loaded walks, that was 33 minutes in length. The ball was never in play. So if you're sitting there passionate about baseball on your couch and you're explaining the game to somebody who maybe is not well-versed in baseball or doesn't understand the game, is new to the game, or whatever – place they are where you are one of those people that is, you know, like uh, like probably uh, I am, that's nuts about baseball, enjoys the intricacies of baseball, enjoys the um, subtleties of baseball. You're sitting there and you're going, this is an utter bore. Nothing's happened for 33 minutes. Baseball has to find a way for the ball to be in play more. more. The next day they go to um, Chicago on Monday and they're playing a pretty good game. Sensatella pitched a wonderful game. I know the Cubs are awful now. But, you know, Rockies have been bad on the road. They're up 4-1 to one in the eighth inning. Jolie Chassin in the seventh inning got three quick outs on nine pitches. Seven of his nine pitches were strikes. And then inexplicably, because I've always been a big fan of Chassin, tough guy, very effective, um, one of the better pitchers in the history of the Rockies, inexplicably goes out in the eighth inning with a 4-1 to one lead, And he throws 12 consecutive balls. And quite frankly, they weren't borderline pitches. Virtually all of them were way out of the zone. And so Buddy has to take him out. Uh, Next thing you know, Chicago ties it up. And actually, you knew it was going to head south from there. Two-run walk-off home run uh, by Rafael Ortega in the bottom of the uh, ninth inning, and the Cubs broke their 13 game losing streak at home, which was the longest in the history of uh, the franchise. And the Rockies absolutely butchered one. Those were two of the worst losses I've seen this year. And you know, again, when you play 162, you're going to have bad losses. Good teams, really good teams, championship teams are going to have gut-wrenching losses. But to see the walks... It just it drives you batty. And, and I've often said this also. The last guy that wanted to walk three guys in, the, in a row, on 12 pitches no less, was Jolie Chassin. But it happened. And it's, and it's so hard to watch. And it, and it fit the narrative of the Rockies on the road all year. Those two were extremely painful. All right. We uh, move on to there. We're going to get to Austin Gombert in a moment. Um, But I wanted to a a couple of short little notes before I get to another topic I wanted to hit on. You know who may be the most valuable position player in baseball so far this year? And we're almost done with August. Marcus Simeon with Toronto. According to baseball reference, he has 5.8 wars. He's been almost six games above replacement level. He's hit 30 home runs. He's driven in 73. He has an OPS of uh, 861. He's stolen 13 bases. He's played very good defense. Remember, he signed a one-year deal with Toronto for $18 million. He'll be 31 in the offseason. I'm not saying that he is going to be available for the Rockies, but he's somebody you better kick the tires on. I don't know if he leaves Toronto. I don't know if the Giants make a heavy run at him. He's from Berkeley, California. Went to Cal. He's a Northern California guy. You know, maybe Oakland tries to make a run back at him. At 31, he's probably going to try to, you know, reach for the stars in, you know, four or five years at 100 plus million. Probably going to be out of the Rockies League, but... He's a name I wanted to throw out there because he can play, you know, a couple of different positions and, uh, you know, a leader and a guy that continues to put up big numbers. And uh, we haven't mentioned this in, in a little bit. We've talked around Trevor's Story and a lot about Trevor Story. And, you know, it seems like a foregone conclusion he's gone. But, uh, you know, I've talked to some people that I respect and trust, and I, it's not a done deal. It's not slam the gavel down. He's definitely not going to be a Rocky next year. If I had to bet on it, I would say probably he will be somewhere else. But it is, it's is—it's within the realm of possibility because the markets change. I don't see any of these guys, when I say these guys, these shortstops, Marcus Simeon, Carlos Correa, who's had a great year with Houston, Tr- uh, Trevor Story, they're not going to approach the deals, I don't think, that Francisco Lindor got, that Fernando Tatis got. I just think teams are going to pull back the reins a little bit. And and as we know, Trevor has not helped himself this year because he's had, you know, a, a subpar year by his standards. And we'll see how it finishes out. He's been better of late, but he's, he hasn't caught fire yet. He hasn't had one of those, you know, two-week periods like we've witnessed from CJ Crohn, for instance. So in the offseason, I think there's a chance. Not a great one, but I think there's a chance um, that he could return to the Rockies. A chance. Not a great one, but a chance. So we'll leave it at that. All right. Did you see where Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th home run? This is a guy that I guarantee you is unappreciated, even by hardcore baseball enthusiasts. He is, as we speak today, 45 hits shy of 3,000. Do you know how many guys in the history of the game are in the 500 homer club and the 3000 hit club. It's short enough that I'll share it with you. Henry Aaron, Willie Mays, Albert Pujols, Eddie Murray, Alex Rodriguez, and surprisingly, I think for many, Rafael Palmero. That's it. That's the whole group. Miguel Cabrera will join that group with 45 more hits. He probably won't get it this year. He's 38. He signed for two more years. So he's coming back. For his career, Miguel Cabrera has hit 311. Do you know that that's a higher batting average than the aforementioned group, every one of those guys? Do you know who's not in that group of 3,000 hits and 500 homers? Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Ted Williams the greatest of the great. They're not in that grouping. Aaron Mays, Pujols, Murray, A-Rod, Rafael Palmero, and soon Miguel Cabrera. And he's hit for a higher average than all those guys. His OPS, 922 on base plus slugging percentage, is higher than Albert Pujols, who's at 920, almost 100 points higher than Eddie Murray, 37 points higher than Rafael Palmero. Just shy of Henry Aaron, just shy of Willie Mays, and just shy of Alex Rodriguez. What I'm telling you is Miguel Cabrera, if he didn't play in Miami and Detroit, if it was New York or Los Angeles, large market, Chicago, he would go down, and still will, as one of the absolute greatest hitters of all time. I just wanted to uh, make mention of that. He won't be 39 until uh the third week of April next year. Pretty special stuff. Also got me thinking and some pieces were written about, all right, who's going to be next in the 500 club? The guy who's closest, may not get there. 41-year-old Nelson Cruz who can still swing it. He's at 443. I'm going to say he gets there though cuz he still mashes and he's got some Tom Brady in him, man. He's not slowing up. He's got a DH after the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement gets settled, there's going to be the designated hitter in the national league. So now it opens up job opportunities for Nelson Cruz moving forward. I'm going to say he gets there, but still, you know, still a lot of home runs, 57 home runs. It's, that's two really good years well into your forties. The next highest on the group of guys that You think, man, these guys have put up big numbers, have a chance. I'm not going to you know, dabble in the Juan Soto's yet or the Fernando Tatises. They're babies in the game. Great, great players, but they're babies. Giancarlo Stanton has 332 career home runs. He's 31. He'll get there if, and it's a big if for him, because he's battled so many injuries through the years. Earlier tonight, I was watching him against Atlanta. He hit one of those line shots at about 300 miles an hour out of the ballpark. If he can have... A run in his thirties because he's he's just thirty one of good health he'll get there. Mike Trout, who's missed a good portion most of this year now with the calf injury, is at three ten. Trout's for the most part been able to stay on the field. We know how uber talented he is. He's just thirty. I'm saying he gets there because you know he's signed forever with the Angels. Nolan Arenado, yeah, Rockies. Nolan Arenado now the Cardinals. Nolan Arenado, two hundred and sixty homers. Nolan's thirty. We know this because we spent so much time watching him I was fortunate enough to be around him throughout his uh, entire career till this season. he loves the game he doesn't have an exit strategy he wants to play until they rip the uniform off him and Nolan has stayed healthy he's at 260 which means he's more than halfway there he's just 30. I see Nolan gets there. Manny Machado's at 245. he's only 29. Petko, all of a sudden, for right-handed hitters, especially you can hit it out of the ballpark on the pull side, it's turned into a pretty decent place to hit. He's got a real chance. And let's not forget a guy who's a strong National League MVP candidate who was the MVP back in, I think it was 2015, Bryce Harper of the Phillies. He plays in a bandbox. He has 255 homers, so he's slightly more than halfway there. He's only 28, so he could very well get there also. But that's some club to be in. I wanted to pay... Uh, Uh, homage to uh, Miguel Cabrera 500 homers and and soon if it's not uh, this year in April of next year he will eclipse the 3,000 hit mark and he'll be one of one of seven which is pretty incredible all right it's time for our ideal home loans interview of the week Uh, I'm finding this guy very intriguing to watch uh, and I know you are as well and uh, he has fit right into that uh, Rockies rotation, and he's having a, an outstanding first year with Colorado. It's left-handed pitcher out of Florida Atlantic University who came in the Nolan Arenado deal, Austin Gomber. Well, first off, man, congratulations. How's everybody doing?
1: Everybody's doing good. Uh, I appreciate it, but uh, family's well. Uh, mama and baby are healthy, so, you know, we're,
0: we're good. Now Beckham is two ish. Does he understand what's going on yet?
1: Um, I think a little bit, but I'm not sure. Um, he knows his name, and so we, uh, you know, we're trying to do our best to, you know, make it an easy transition for him. But i not. I don't know if he knows exactly what's going on. But I think he's starting to catch on for sure
0: you got help at home is uh yeah rachel's, folks here? Mom,
1: yeah rachel's mom uh is in town right now well her both of her parents are in town right now but her mom's going to stay with us for the rest of the year while we're on the road and stuff so that'll be good get a little help
0: we were speculating uh when you last night you make your first start after the birth of your second child and um I can't imagine. you got to be amped up. There's got to be uh, a, a ton of different emotions. Was that accurate? Did it feel different taking the mound last night?
1: Um, not necessarily from that. It was just more of probably uh, just felt like a little bit, uh, almost felt like, you know, just taking a couple days off. It's crazy how you feel. How, like, you almost just feel like you you're starting over you know i just kind of felt like my timing was a little bit off but as far as like the emotions and stuff i was fine um you know just excited to be back out there for sure but uh kind of had like a longer layoff in between starts than i normally would but um you know uh all good really
0: you're not finishing line yet but it's your first complete season in the big league starting um is this where you thought you could be? Are you satisfied with uh, what you have uh, put on your resume, if you will, so far?
1: Um, I wouldn't say I'm satisfied. I mean, I think I've done some positive things, but there's definitely some things to improve on. Um, just becoming more consistent, really. You know, you look at the best pitchers in the game, and
0: you
1: know their bad outings are are what average pitchers would consider good outings. You know what I mean? So I think uh, you know there's always stuff to improve on. I mean. I think a little bit of it is is definitely, you know, a little gratitude and proving you're feeling like you're proving yourself right a little bit that you could, uh, you know, be a starter in the big leagues and have some success, but there's definitely, you know, room to grow and I feel like a lot of area for improvement for sure, but it's been it's been a good experience, I've learned a lot and uh, it's been a lot of fun.
0: We've said this a lot upstairs that that you are somewhat unusual in that you truly have a four pitch mix there are guys who have four pitch mix but you utilize all four pitches every outing do you, do you see it as a, a little bit uh, unusual at all
1: um I mean I guess you could say it's a little unusual I would say there's probably less guys that use four pitch mixes than guys that do right um you know I think just nowadays the game is going real hard like a lot of guys are just starting really hard and you know, usually a hard slider off of that. Um, you know, that's not really, you know, my game. So, kind of, you know, you see other guys throughout the league that are pitching, you know, similar to me. Maybe they're lefty or righty. But, um, you know, it's just kind of the way I got to pitch to have success. You know, it's kind of what I did to get me to the big leagues. And, you know, so, feel so like when you get here, a lot of times you're just going to end up going to what, going back to what got you here, you know. Um, I think a lot of times people – Get here and try to change everything because maybe you're not having success right away and not realizing that you know there's a reason you got here. What got you here is probably the reason you're here. So just trying to continue to you know become more consistent with that stuff. All
0: right, put a scouting hat on. If you had to grade your four pitches—fastball, curveball, slider, and your changeup—how would you grade them right now?
1: Right now, I mean, I would probably say. My yeah. slider has probably been my most consistent pitch throughout the season, uh, start in, start out.
0: Um,
1: you know, fastball command is kind of come and gone, but when it's, you know, for me, I think the fastball command kind of leads for everything, right? So when I days I have really good fastball command, I end up pitching really well. Um, but i would say probably slider and then the curveball and the changeup have kind of been back and forth i haven't gotten away from the curveball a little bit lately which is you know back to what i was telling you kind of getting away from who i am so i think that's something that i want to get back to but i would say probably this year the slider's probably been the most consistent and the changeup and the curveball are kind of interchangeable there based on the outing and then um you know, my fastball, I haven't used it as much, but there's been days when it's been really good. But, again, it's the consistency of the command, really.
0: When I first saw you, the first thing that jumped out at me was, was the four-pitch mix in, in spring training. The other thing was you can really spin a curveball. Have you always had that ability going back even to high school?
1: No. No, I learned that breaking ball once I got to professional baseball, honestly. When I was when I got drafted, I was like a fastball change-up guy, a little bit of a lower slot, and then... Um, You know, when I got into pro ball, just kind of realized, looked around, realized right away that I wasn't going to cut it. What I was, wasn't going to cut it, so my first off-season after I got drafted, I learned that curveball, and I kind of, like, naturally brought my arm slot up to try to figure out a way to throw a curveball and just kind of continue to build on it from there.
0: Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks back, the fact that, you know, you're 6'5", and and you're close to right over the top, which is a little bit unusual for a lefty, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I probably present a little bit of a higher slot than, you know, most guys in the league, but... um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I I don't think I pitch like maybe a typically typical lefty does, but um, you know, it's just kind of what you know the adjustments I've had to make to have success. Really,
0: is there a guy or, or a couple of guys that you emulated growing up, or, or there's a guy that you look at right now and you say, that's a guy I want to be like.
1: I mean, for me, it's always been Kershaw, right? Because I feel like you can find similarities in kind of the way we do things. Obviously, I think his is just like, uh, you know, souped up a little bit more, right? Like, he threw a little bit harder. Everything spun a little bit tighter. But a lot of, like, the arsenal and the arm slot and the shape of the pitches is is pretty similar, honestly. Um, So, he's a guy, obviously, he was, when I was younger, he was, I mean, still is, but he was one of the best pitchers, you know, of the generation. So, more from a like just a pure baseball fan standpoint, like following him, and then once I got into professional baseball and kind of started to, you know, learn more about the game, I actually started to feel like I could take things from his game. Um, so yeah, I mean that's probably the guy that I've been throughout my career the most that I've watched you know video on or. Whatnot. Yeah.
0: Have you had a chance to talk to him yet?
1: Never, never got to talk to him. Never got to talk to him. So hopefully at some point.
0: Yeah. When? At what point in time? did you feel like professional baseball would be in the picture was it when you went to florida atlantic or was it after having success there
1: oh yeah i was probably once i was in college probably after my sophomore year of college going into my junior year where i realized it was you know a real real possibility but um you know up until that point it was just you know playing baseball because that's what i like to do and um kind of continue to grow and get better and and eventually it became a reality that I was going to have an opportunity to play
0: Pro Bowl. Yeah. Quick time out and then more with Austin Gomber in a moment. Every week I tell you about my friends at Ideal Home Loans. Give them a call, 303-867-7000. They will save you money. I can say that with great clarity because they've done it for me on a couple of occasions. And most recently in the last month and a half, I finished a refi with them. I've sent a lot of friends to them through the years and they're thrilled uh, and many have gone back a second and third time, whether it's purchasing a new house and uh, getting the mortgage done or the refinance market, or if you're consolidating debt, you need to give them a call. Even if you think you have a great situation right now, it doesn't hurt to pick up the phone and dial 303-867-7000 and find out if perhaps they can put you in a product that will save you more money pretty simple. 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson's team has been working in Colorado for more than 20 years, also down in Arizona. So uh, they know what they're doing. And as I've said many times, they're very, very well respected. 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans. I want to tell you once again about an outstanding family law firm that I could not recommend any higher. And we know that, unfortunately, divorces happen and people grow apart. It's a reality. It's a difficult time in life and a difficult process to navigate. You need understanding. You need compassion coupled with outstanding legal advice and counsel. And you'll find it at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker, and Page. That's Cox, Baker, and Page. They've been celebrated and honored for their work and their compassion for a number of years by U.S. News and World Report and Laura Page. And Mary Cox are consistently listed by them with a best lawyer distinction. So if you or someone you know needs assistance, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Once again, it's coxbakerandpage.com. A family law firm. Now back to our conversation with the Rockies left-hander Austin Gomber. You know it's interesting with with a couple of your teammates, a couple of your brethren in the rotation, like Kyle Freeland. I always characterize as fiery, competitor. I know Herman's a great competitor, but he almost wears a poker face. I've seen enough of you where, uh, you know, you had that run, one rough outing, and Buddy decided not to, you know, have you go back out in the second inning. And, you know, again, you're a competitor. You you were emotional, I guess, to a certain degree. Um, how would you characterize yourself from that standpoint?
1: I'm mean, definitely on the more emotional, fiery side for sure. Um, you know, it's not. It's not really something that I mean. I've tried as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at kind of harnessing it and controlling it. But it's not really something that um, you know is really like planned or, or anything. Like I feel like I'm pretty laid back most of the time. Like when you talk to me, I don't come across like you know. Because there is some guys that I've talked to that are like super fiery and they're always that way. Like they're always you know just super, just you know wired and locked in. Like I don't really feel like I'm that usually except for when i'm pitching but um, yeah i mean i would definitely say that me and free got some similarities and you know what we do and how we handle ourselves. um you know so it's something that i've always can you know always had to you know keep in mind and, and try to do my best to control and make sure that i'm tunneling towards you know positive things or towards having success and not letting it drag me down but um, you know, I think also there's times where that carries me through, you know, big spots and big moments. So it's kind of just being able to ride that line and understand when's too much and when's
0: not enough. You know? It was interesting for me again. From from you know, we, we get camera shots, it's television, right? And one of the first guys over to you a couple of starts ago when, when you departed after one and you got a great year was Herman Marquez and he put his arm around you and and I've noticed that your group is a really tight-knit group and in fact when I was talking to Freeland the other day he said Gomber fit right in like immediately did you feel like that
1: yeah I mean because we just got good pitchers I want to you know want to be good I want to be great honestly and want to win games and I think that we got that up through the whole you know the way I look at it is is the way we carry ourselves we don't really have you know that uh the feeling of, like, this guy's our number one and this guy's our number five, right? Like, we just have five really good guys. I think we all understand that Herman's our guy, right? And, you know, if we had to win one game, we're going to throw Marquez out there, right? And I think we all understand that. But I think at the same time, there's not that there's not that separation of, like, okay, these are, like, the rules that Marquez abides by because he's the ace and these are the rules that every you know what I mean? It's true. pretty consistent. We all do the same thing. We handle ourselves the same way. We talk to each other. Um, and really it's just one of the you know first times I've been a part of a starting rotation where like legitimately every single day I feel like our guy could go out there and throw a shutout and I just don't think that there's a lot of teams in the league that have that and so I think you know as the season's gone on and I think as you know those guys have gotten to know me and, and continue to grow themselves I think all of us have realized like okay like we could really do something special like this group of five guys and I think we've embraced that and and just continue to, uh, you know, help each other, uh, help each other out, and make us better. But, um, you know, I think uh, we definitely enjoy being around each other, and I and I definitely think that we, uh, you know, we're on the on the right track.
0: Is that why, when I look at this, uh, I, I don't feel like I'm off base because the sport's always going to be about starting pitching number one, and this is such a unique group and a talented group that you can flip and you guys have played much better obviously the last couple of months but but looking forward to next year this is a group you know tinker yes that always happens on a on a roster that can contend very quickly as opposed to this being one of those three four five year rebuilds
1: well yeah I mean I, I would agree with you um you know I think a lot of like you said a lot of it is built you know on starting pitching and there's probably not a whole lot of teams that know their five guys coming back next year. Right. And I think we, you know, we have a pretty good idea of who our five guys are going to be not only for next year, but the year after that and possibly the year after that. And so I think whenever you're in a position like that, I mean, you got to feel good about it. Right. Um, you know, I think obviously as, as a team and our guys, I obviously, I know, you know, the rest of the team, I think they, they understand that we have some good starting pitching and the starting pitching understands like, you know, our responsibility to the team, right. If, uh, you know, if we're supposed to be considered the strength of the team, we need to go out there and, and be the strength of the team, right? So, you know, I mean, I, as a player, you're never going to be like, yeah, let's wait for three to five years, you know. But um, I definitely think that we're, we're not far away, and, and we definitely have a lot of pieces, not only just starting pitching. You know, we talk about the starting pitching a lot, but there's a lot of pieces all over the field of guys that are starting to break out and come into their own. Um, so, you know, it's an exciting time. For
0: sure. Clearly, you're self-motivated. Honestly, you have a little more fuel in the tank because you're traded for, you know, an iconic figure. And everybody around the country said, oh, terrible trade. The Rockies didn't get anything in return for Nolan Aranata.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? You know, I, I think, first off, it wasn't just me. So, it wasn't like it was just me for Nolan. There's other guys in that trade that, you know, I think should be given an opportunity to, to play out their careers and and then before you make a judgment on those guys too, you know? So, um, but for me, not, not really. Like, my motivation is I just wanted to prove that I could be a starting pitcher. I just felt like I didn't get a lot of opportunities with St. Louis, right? So, I mean, I loved my time there and I loved a lot of the people there. You know, like I... I think a lot of times people, I don't know, took me, like, serious. Like, I was genuinely excited to get traded to Colorado, and I don't think that a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, like, that's that's not just a, hey, a PR guy saying, like, this is what you have to say. Like, no, like, I was excited to get to a fresh start where somewhere where I felt like I was going to get an opportunity, right? Um, so, you know, to think that there's a there's a chance, if I wouldn't have got traded, there's a chance that I could have started this year in AAA with nothing, you know, with nothing to to do with me, my performance, just kind of like how the roster was built out and now to be here and feel like I'm, you know, establishing myself as somebody that could pitch in the big leagues for years to come. I mean, it's exciting yeah. and so that's where my motivation comes from is just more continuing to prove myself like right than prove people wrong is the way I like to think about it.
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, because you come over here, and everybody knows Coors Field, great place to hit, obviously. You have a reputation of a little bit more of a fly ball pitcher, and yet not only have you done nicely here, you've dominated here. Did you see that coming? Do you have an explanation? No, I
1: don't really have an explanation for it. Um, You know, I try to dominate every time I pitch. You know, I don't know what the... uh, obviously i've had i think it's just worked out where it looks like i pitched so much better here but i've just had you know maybe two two or three really rough starts this year and they just all happen to be on the road right and i think that's kind of gonna sway you know some of those numbers but i mean i feel comfortable pitching here i like pitching here um you know the fans are always in it we always have a good crowd our defense plays well here i think we know this ballpark more than other teams in this ballpark the way the ball is going to carry the way like You see our outfitters run down balls that other teams don't get to just playing here i mean there's something obviously it's it's tougher playing here and it's tougher on us when we leave here but i think you know we haven't figured out how to take it with us but i think we've you know done a good job of using our home field advantage to our advantage right And now it's just trying to become a better team on the road and once we do that then we're in the mix i mean we just won 10 more road games this year we'd be a playoff team and that still wouldn't make us a good road team right if we won 10 more road games like so i mean i don't think we're that far off because i think you know we have a lot of guys that like playing here you know and i think that like you said that reputation sometimes people come in here and they don't necessarily want to play here i don't think we have that we got 26 guys that enjoy playing here i think that's part of it good
0: deal man congrats on fatherhood again thank you appreciate Appreciate it. it You know, last week we had Kyle Freeland on and Kyle said Gomber's fit right in immediately. And he didn't need to say that. I didn't prompt him on that. And when you listen to Gomber, he has so many of the attributes that, you know, Herman has and Sensatella and, you know, the whole group. You know, Freeland, fiery competitor. Um, he's, he wears his emotions. We talked about it on his sleeve a little bit. He doesn't want to just be good. He wants to be great. And as good as he's been, especially at home, he's not putting a ceiling on it. He's not satisfied. Um, He wants to do special things. And it's one thing for Kyle or Herman or John Gray, who's always been good at home, to put up special numbers at Coors Field because they've grown up here. That wasn't the case with Austin Gomber who has, as we as we tape this, a two-flat ERA at Coors Field, and it was a 170 until his last outing at Coors Field. He, he knew nothing about pitching, really, at Coors Field. And yet, not intimidated, comes in, and he's been dominant at home. It just goes back to what I've been saying over the last several podcasts, and it's not with purple sunglasses on because the Rockies need help offensively. They have significant issues, as we know, in the bullpen. So they have to make moves and moves have to work out. You need good health um, going forward with this group of starting pitchers. But because of this group of starting pitchers, and you need to, you know, continue to add depth. Hopefully Ryan Rollison will do that. Peter Lambert will be back at full strength next year. Um, you, you can't have enough. Just ask the San Diego Padres. We thought they had. A wealth of starting pitching, and now there—it seems like every other day they have a bullpen day. But because the Rockies have this rotation, they have a chance to win next year. And I mean, when I say win, I mean win significantly. I mean, be in contention. I don't know if they're Dodger good enough. Come on, that's that's lofty stuff. But can they make the postseason again, as they did in seventeen and eighteen? I believe with the right moves and good fortune. Um, they really can. Do you realize that since 2017, that, that group of Gray, Sensatella, Freeland, and Marcus, they have won more games and started more games than any other group of four within the same rotation in all of baseball, number one. And as we take this podcast on a Tuesday night, the Rockies got rained out at, at Wrigley uh, tonight. The Rockies were third In quality starts in Major League Baseball Third Of the six teams that are on the list Two in front of them The Dodgers, I believe And I'm doing this off the top of my head now I believe Milwaukee And then the three that are, are the next in line Below the Rockies All of those teams will be in the playoffs Without question The only team that will not is a team that has the third most quality starts and calls Coors Field their home. That's another reason why I believe, you know, next year with the right moves in the offseason, the Rockies can contend. Big thanks to Austin Gomber for jumping on. I, I think you uh, got to know him a little bit more. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll do it again next week. You all stay safe, stay well, tell your friends about... Uh, our little endeavor here and tell them how to download it and subscribe also do the same for my buddies at uh, dnbr uh rockies uh, drew Kreisman, and patrick lyons they put together a wonderful program each and every day and they're kind enough to have me aboard uh once a week so uh make sure you put both of those things on your to-do list we'll chat again next week take care and uh stay safe